This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Yankees technically, doesn't feel this way, but they are technically still in first place. I don't know that that's going to be the case for much longer, but technically they are still in first place. The team that has also been in first place for a very long time, basically the entire season, the Mets, they are no longer a first-place team. So I wanted to talk it over with Pat Rangazzo, who covers the Mets for Sports Illustrated and is nice enough to give us a, a couple of minutes this afternoon. Pat, what's going on, my friend? Nothing much. Thanks so much for having me on, Gordon. All right, so uh, I can't imagine what your Twitter mentions look like. Mets out of first place for the first time since April. How concerned should fans be that the Mets wake up today and they are in second place? Now, of course, they, they did wake up today and they found themselves a half team out of first place. I think the bigger concern is Mets have played three and four against some of the basement teams of the National League, losing two out of three last weekend to the Washington Nationals, uh, dropping the series opener uh, in Pittsburgh to the Pirates before rebounding by winning the last two games of the, of the series and then dropping the series opener at Lone Depot against the Miami Marlins last night. So the Mets are not beating the teams that they are supposed to beat right now. They have the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way in the final 23 games here, and um, they need to handle their own business and kind of, you know, the, the Braves have shown no signs of, of slowing down, but uh, the, the, big, the bigger concern beyond the standing should be how the Mets have played against some of these lesser teams. Yeah, and I guess the offense as a whole, it's really struggled here. It's not a long stretch, uh, you know, as, as much as, you know, we're talking about the Yankees' struggles. That's a, a significant stretch of the season. That's offense has been a problem for a stretch. Uh, how concerned would you be with the, especially the struggles of Alonzo and Lindor? Yeah, so Lindor's picked it back up a little bit lately, but uh, Pete Alonzo's been in a, in a funk for about a month or so now. Uh, Daniel Volgovac, who was one of their – top acquisitions uh, DH has, has struggled as of late and Darren Ruff really hasn't given them any production since they traded for him at the deadline from San Francisco Giants and that is why the Mets are calling up Mark Vientos today uh, which also partially could be an indication that Starling Marte might be headed for the IL next um, Marte has the non-displaced fracture in his right middle finger um, and, and he didn't do any baseball activities yesterday and the Mets have a decision looming there. So, so that's a pretty big blow, um, you know, considering how important Marte was to the team and to this lineup. Um, so, yeah, so the Mets, um, you know, the Mets are calling up Vientos to see if it can provide a spark offensively. Yeah, I mean, give us a little scouting report on him. I've heard Mets fans be mentioning him. They've been crying for this move for a while, and now they, they, they get it. What, what kind of player is Vientos going to be? Well, Vientos uh, very clearly has the power that the Mets lineup really has lacked beyond Pete Alonso. Um, he's hit 24 home runs for AAA Syracuse, uh, hit a mammoth home run last night for his 24th of the year, and he, and he posted a 877 OPS. So um, I think that he's going to provide some production out of the DH spot, and I think that's what the Mets uh, need right now, given the struggle to Vogel back in rough. Yeah, how about Marte? Have we gotten any update on him? Because w when they first came down and they gave you what the diagnosis was, uh, you're like, oh, geez, that, that, that has to be significant. And then you read the same sentence, and they're like, oh, he's day-to-day. -day. And you're like, wait a second, that, that, that doesn't seem to line up. And now he's missed a couple of days here. Do you think that it will end up, wind up with him going to the IL? Now, the Mets were hoping that Marte would be able to rest it for a couple of days and that some of the swelling would subside and he'd be able to to do some baseball activities, but it just hasn't happened that way right now, and uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up landing on the IL later today. All 
All right, we're talking with Pat Rangazzo here on uh, the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Uh, how about uh, last night? I know uh, there was some, some criticism maybe uh, of Buck a little bit uh, in the handling of the bullpen, going with uh, Rodriguez when he was down a run rather than you know, going to his, 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 real, uh, his real weapons out of the bullpen, especially Diaz. Um, what, what was Buck's reaction to the questions after the game? Well, Buck said after the game that he was hoping to use Diaz in the ninth inning, whether it be, you know, in a, in a one-run deficit or a tie game or, or if the Mets had, had regained the lead. But, of course, that was a decision that wound up backfiring. Uh, and he brought in Diaz with a three-run deficit instead and, and gave him the work that, that he hasn't gotten in a number of days. All right, how about uh, the trade deadline? A lot of people have focused on that. Does this feel like maybe the Mets missed an opportunity at the trade deadline to make more impactful moves? You mentioned Ruffy really hasn't been able to give uh, give you much. Vogelbach did have a nice start when he got here, but has kind of cooled off as well. And with Alonzo being that one thumper in the lineup, uh, it kind of feels like, you know, why would you pitch to him when he's the one guy that can wreck the game? Did the Mets kind of botch the trade deadline, Pat, do you think? Um, I wouldn't say botch, but of course, uh, you know, in hindsight, looking back now, it, it, the moves just haven't paid off, and um, their offense hasn't uh, hasn't improved from the deadline. And of course, that was the goal. Um, the bigger hitters who they were targeting, in JD Martinez and Wilson Contreras, their price tags never never came down from the top five prospect plus pieces. Um, so there really wasn't anything uh, the Mets were able to do. In that sense, I mean, guys like Christian Vasquez and Trey Mancini were possibilities, but the Astros were able to offer more than the Mets. So, so yeah, so I, uh, right now it is looking like a disappointment, and, and, and their offense is suffering because of it. What has been the reaction? I mean, it must be kind of, I don't know if the right word is annoying or demoralizing. Has there been a reaction in the clubhouse to the fact the Braves just seem to win every single day? Because the, Met, the season the Mets are having, this should be the time of the year where you're, you know, you're kind of lining up. All right, what's our magic number? What's going to happen when the playoffs roll around? And here they are, still, you know, having to look over their shoulder and not even look over their shoulder anymore at the Braves. What has kind of been the reaction with the players uh, uh, to what the Braves have been doing? Well, the players have been asked about it all season, really since uh, the Braves caught fire in the beginning of June, and uh, they just say that they can control what they can control, and that's really all they can do. I mean. Uh, the Braves didn't catch up because the Mets collapsed. The Braves catch up, caught up because they played Red 40 hot. games over 500 yeah, since June crazy. 1st. And they, no team in the league is, has played better baseball than them, and, and that's why they're, they now lead the National League East by half a game. We're talking with Pat Rangazzo here, covers the Mets for Sports Illustrated. How about Scherzer? What's the, what's the prognosis for getting him back? Well, Scherzer was seen uh, playing catch at, in Miami at Lone Depot Park yesterday, and uh, – He's calling his left oblique irritation just achiness, soreness, and um, he seems to think that he's going to be back uh, by the minimum stay on the IL, which he's eligible to come off on September 19th. So, seems like Scherzer and the Mets dodged a bullet there, but I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see how his how his oblique feels in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, how about uh, all right? I guess last one because I got to get to some other things here, Pat. But uh, when the season is over, when the regular season is over, will the Mets? have won the National League East? Um, it, I think it's going to come down to the wire, and it'll most likely come down to that series where the Mets have to go to Atlanta. Uh, it feels that way, doesn't it? Season, so. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, no, since it, you've been it, looking it at the, you know, like you look at the schedule and you see all these bad teams, but that that three game series in Atlanta has always kind of been like jumping out. Even when the Mets were, you know, obviously a larger lead than this, it feels like every time the Mets have been able to, like the Braves would put the pressure on, but the Mets would always be able to find that extra gear. Uh, right now, that's not the case because, as I said, the, you know, the Braves obviously with the half game lead, but it's always kind of felt like that 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 series near the end of the season was always going to have some significance. Yeah, and it's really it seems like it's shaping up to to come down to that to play it out that way. Well, Pat, thanks for giving us a few minutes to, this afternoon. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully, Mets spats come out, and uh, they always seem to respond whenever things look their 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 worst. And they really haven't looked bad this year, but they usually respond to whatever challenges. So hopefully, that will be the case tonight. Of course, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, we'll see how things play out. All right, Pat, thanks very much. That is Pat Raggazzo, covers the Mets for Sports Illustrated, getting some take on the, the Mets. Look, I, you know, we talked about this during the week with Larry. He's the big Met fan. I'm the Yankee fan. So it, it's been the type of thing, like, are you concerned? Are you annoyed? What, is it panic? Is it doom? Uh, to me at this point, it certainly is not doom. It's half a game. And, and to hear, you know, Met fans, I mean, it, it's a, like all year these same people have said, well, this is different. This is a different year. This is a different team. And they're right. It is a different team. It is a different year. It does have a, fit, a different feel to this. But then as soon as the Braves take, I mean, not even a full game. It's a half a game. And immediately some just jump to disa- disaster. If I had to go dismay, distress, disaster, I would probably say dismay. I mean, you still have the easiest schedule. You still have the rotation minus Scherzer, but you don't think he's going to be out for that long. You've got a winning record against Atlanta this year, and I know it hasn't happened, and it sounds like a broken record at this point. The Braves have to cool off. it. I mean, you don't just play like they've been playing for this long and, and continue to – it doesn't go on forever. Like I find it very hard to believe that over the next 20, whatever, two, 23 games, that the Braves are going to continue to win every single day. I realize that there are warning signs. The offense is a little bit troubling, but I expect them to pick that up. The Scherzer, you know, ailment, whatever you want to call it, that is a little bit of a concern because you have to have those two guys lined up come October. That's important. So there are warning signs. The one thing that I would say right now is it definitely feels, and it felt like this to me at the time, so maybe it's biased there. It feels like the Mets did not, they were not aggressive enough at the trade deadline. Part of that was the names that were being mentioned were lofty names. They didn't, they didn't come back with any of those guys. Uh, but part of it was the, 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 the names that they did bring in. This was a team that at that point, it was clear, Mets are a World Series or bust kind of team. This is the year. This, they are not playing for two or three years from now. This is not a young team on the upswing that has a bright future ahead. The future is now. When Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer are your two-headed monster atop the rotation, your team has played as well as they played this year. You're getting a career year out of Edwin Diaz. This is the year to make it happen. And to me, it felt like a missed opportunity at the time. And Met fans told me, oh, no, the, you know, these are smart moves. This is, this is the right way to go. You don't want to overpay. No, this is the time to overpay. When, much like the Yankees, when you're in a situation where the only acceptable answer to this year is a World Series championship, that is the time to overpay. The Mets didn't do it, and right now it feels like it's, it's hurting them. Now, I do still think that they're the better team. I think that they will win the National League East, but it does feel like you can, if, if it turns out that they don't, 
there will be a, a real number one on the list of things that went wrong. To me, number one will be the trade deadline. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get back to your phone calls. The Yankees win. Got some more thoughts on them. We'll get into the football, the picks, over-unders. So much to do. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We'll go out to uh, Tom is in uh, Beth Page. Tom, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. How's it going? Hey, Tom. What's going on, pal? Not much. I got uh, one baseball and one football point. Uh, My baseball point is, you know, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Everything you said about the Mets was absolutely accurate. But the silver lining for us Mets fans, if we do lose the division, would be that we don't have to play the Dodgers in the NLCS. Instead of four of seven. Okay, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. It is a silver lining there, I guess maybe, but you will have to pay play an extra playoff round before that. And it's not look if the Mets or and the Yankees and Tom. Thanks for the phone call. Um, if they lose the division, to me, it's pretty clear the the Yankees losing the division is by far worse because they have collapsed. The Mets have not collapsed. Uh, the Mets have just if, – if, if it does turn out that the Braves win, it will be more than likely because the Braves have just remained at a red-hot level that would be almost impossible to match. Now, I'm not saying it's not bad. It is it's it is bad to, to lose the division. Uh, this is a year where the Mets had as large a lead as they had. What was it, 10 and a half games at one point? Uh, so if you were to lose the division, that would be a major disappointment. That would be a failure especially because of the moves I think that they could have added to their team at the trade deadline, made more significant and impactful moves there. Um, But, yeah, if the Mets end up losing the National League East, uh, to me that's not as bad as the Yankees losing the American League East because it's it's, it's partly on the Mets, but it would mostly be on the Braves. If the Yankees end up losing, it's not because anybody came up and got them. It's because they just fell their way back to the pack. Uh, and that would be unacceptable. And, and and again, at the trade deadline, I didn't think that they made as impactful of moves as they as they could have made. So that would be a disappointment there as well. Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN yeah. is the telephone number. I agree with that. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, no, 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 I had the football point, too. I guess they yeah, didn't cut me off. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I got the football point. <laughs> I was going to say, um, uh, in regards to the NFL season, looking forward to it, the one I'm not sure of a lot because the NFL is so unpredictable, but the one thing I am sure of is, I do think the Houston Texans are going to be the worst team in the NFL. Do you do you agree with that or disagree? And if you disagree, what other team comes to mind? Because uh, I, I think by far and away they'll be the worst. Uh, you know what, Tom? It's interesting you bring that up, and, and thanks for the phone call. Um, uh, I, we do a segment called The Polar Opposite of Power Rankings. Uh, I will just tell you, and the polar opposite of power rankings is the ranking of the five worst teams in the sport every single week, right? Like, people, they all have their power rankings, and it's all about who's the best. How would I know who's the best? I sit and watch the Jets and Giants here for the last five years, so, uh, you know, we we know how that has gone. So I only focus on the worst. So I will not give that much away about the polar opposite of power rankings, but I do have the Houston Texans as part of the mix, but it's probably not for the reason that you think. So we'll get to that at uh, 6 o'clock tonight. 6 o'clock tonight. Richard is in New York. Richard, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hi, Gordon. Gordon, you know, if the Yankees go 16-7 and seven down at the end, that's 100 wins. So 
So you yeah. give me a hundred. Do, do you wins. think that they're going to go sixteen and no, seven? Richard? I'd, be, do, I'd be happy if they went nine and thirteen. Yeah, that's okay. But you know, I'm just saying, if they go, you know, sixteen and seven, it's a hundred wins. Then it doesn't matter what Tampa does. You know, even if they do beat us out and they go twenty-four and three, which is almost impossible. Well, but as long as the Yankees are playing well, it really doesn't matter. Uh, what did Buck do, Buck do yesterday? Now, it's my feeling. You use your best pitcher yes. at the most critical time that's available at the most critical junction of ball game. Eighth inning, bottom of the eighth, they're down four to three. I don't know if a ninth inning is coming. Why didn't he bring in Diaz to keep it at four to three? And then he brings this other guy in, Rodriguez, gives up a two-run home with two walks. Then he decides to bring in uh, Edwin Diaz. Did that make sense to you? No, it did not. And that's why I brought it up with Pat. I think a lot of people it didn't make sense to. Now, look, I would say I agree with you to a point. Now, I would not bring Diaz in in the sixth inning because he's never done that, and that's kind of really out of the realm of what he is used to. If it's a World Series game and the score's 4-1 to and they're scoring on you, and it's the seventh game and you need to keep them right there at 4-1, to Hey, there's no tomorrow. Oh, no, that, th- in that situation, of course, but that's not yeah. what yesterday was. No, I know. Uh, Gordon, you know, today is an anniversary of sorts. Uh, I've spoken to a good friend of mine who's a ticket broker. Do you realize on this day every year in New York, the most expensive ticket went on sale? And do you know what that ticket was? The Up most... until about 15 years ago when they changed the format. Today is the day, though. Most expensive ticket, sports ticket? In New York, the hardest ticket to get in New York for a sporting event. It occurred every year. Hmm. I do not know. Okay, it was Super Saturday at the uh, Open. Oh, with the U.S. Now, Open, okay. With, well, they, got, they were pretty stupid back then, the tennis people. They put the two men's semifinals and the women's final right. in between. In between yep. So you used to get these really rich clients. They would spend $10,000 just to be there all day. They'd stay for 12 hours at tennis. It would start at 10, 11 in the morning and not finish till 10, 11 at night. So you got two men's semis, and then you got the women's finals. And uh, it was almost an impossible ticket because all the rich people, corporate sponsors, sure. wanted to be at that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as far as uh, John and Susan on the – oh, by the way, Bob Wischus is my favorite announcer. I can't wait to listen to him tomorrow. I'll watch a little of the game because not to watch the Jets, but to watch Lamar Jackson. I love that guy. I love the way he plays quarterback. He's exciting. You know, I'm a Jet fan. I'll be rooting for the Jets, but I just love watching him. But I'll listen to Bob because Bob is a combination play-by-play and color analyst, and he is great. He talks just he's like excellent. a fan. I'm not just I saying that because he's on our station. I, I barely I love know him. him but believe me, I've heard him all. I, one last thing. All now, right. I love John and Susan. Yeah. And John brought up, because they bring up points that make me think. John brought up a point today that was so interesting, and it's such a New York thing. Do you know today, uh, Gordon, is the 100th anniversary of the last time that the New York Yankees played at the Polo Grounds? Okay. Because they moved to Yankee Stadium shortly after in, uh, September, uh, in April of 1923. Babe Ruth, of course, have built, the, built the stadium with his attraction. But uh-huh. it got me to thinking. Okay. Do you, you do realize that, that the, polo, the polo grounds yeah. started, and I think this is the only stadium in the United States, only stadium that started five major franchises, four of them that are still in New York, that started at polo grounds. And, uh, for example, the New York football giants played there when they were right. the New York football giants. Uh-huh. The New York giants who moved to San Francisco – the Yankees started there until 1922 when they moved to Yankee Stadium, and that was built. The New York uh, uh, 
the the Mets played there from '62 to '64 for before Shea Stadium was built, uh-huh. and the New York I Jets like started there. Rothenberg here. Go ahead. Yeah, who's the fifth yeah, one? Yeah, but can you imagine that, Gordon? I no, mean, no, 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 leave me hanging. What? Who's the fifth one? Oh, the Jets. The oh, Jets the started Jets. in '60, and they stayed there until the, uh, the the Shea Stadium was built in '64 with Namath when he was there. So, no, actually, Namath came in '65, but they played one year before that at Shea Stadium with without Namath. But anyway, can you imagine? That's probably the only. I mean, unless somebody knows any other stadium. No, I was no, thinking everybody's Rick, got their own stadiums down, Richard. I mean, yeah, you can't, of course. You can't have imagine that five state, five major franchise, and still in existence, Gordon. So just by what God, Susan and John were talking about, it gets me to thinking. Anytime I'm thinking, it's always a good thing because, of course, that's what keeps our life, uh, keeps us alive, the yes. thought process. Always right, a pleasure. Richard. Thank you, no, Gordon. Right, always Thank a pleasure. Thank you very much. Show's over at 630. But, uh, Richard, hey, look, he had a lot of points he wanted to get out. I love Richard. He, uh, I, he, he's generally talking about things that I wasn't alive for, but, you know, that's the way you learn things. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, let's get into one of those teams that used to talk <laughs> used to play at the polo grounds, the New York Jets. Let's get some football, Jets and Giants, and we'll do it next. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. The last couple of days has not exactly things are not exactly trending in the right direction when it comes to the New York Jets. And you've got the news today, in case you didn't hear, Dwayne Brown now to the injured reserve. So he's now going to miss some time. And we kind of knew that already, but now it's official that he's going to the IR. So that's not great. That in combination with, of course, the, um, the, the loss of the quarterback and everything that's gone on there. It doesn't feel like things are trending in the right direction. Now, football's a long season. Week one of the season is the most overblown thing in the history of the world. Like, think about all the, the great stuff that you look forward to with football. And after Thursday night's game, it was like, yeah, we did all this stuff, but eh, it's all for naught because the Bills have already won the Super Bowl. It feels like <laughs> you did all this preparation, and the Bills bandwagon is, uh, is brimming right now. But for the Jets, this is a big season. And this is the complete opposite to me of last year. Last year was evaluation. Fair. Rookie coach, rookie quarterback. There was a honeymoon. Last year, that was evaluation. Last year was, let's establish something. Let's be better than we were uh, the year before under Adam Gase. But there was no expectation of, hey, you got to win this many games. you got to do this. This year's different. you got to start showing me something. I'm sorry, people. You might not want to hear it because the Jet fan, you know, well, look, uh, you know, it's, all go- it's okay. No, you got to start showing me something. You can't be 0 for September again. The Jets have not won a September game since Sam Darnold's rookie, his, his, his NFL debut in 2018. You haven't won a game in September since then. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. It doesn't feel like you came all that close to winning any September games, really. You can't be out of it before Halloween again. I can't be sitting on my couch Googling mock drafts in October when it comes to Jet games because I'm, I'm so bored and, and, and disgusted by what I'm watching. Now, I'm a Dolphin fan, so I'm not really disgusted. That's a lie. But you know what I'm saying. I'm putting myself in your shoes. And this year, obviously, not off to the best start. And the Zach Wilson thing, the fact that Last year, statistically, that they were a better team when he was out than when he was in, that's not a great sign. And the fact that he's already hurt again, 
Like, we already, like, I mean, I guess part of it is his performance. But what's the knock on Daniel Jones? Well, he can't stay healthy. He's been hurt three years in a row. Zach Wilson's already been hurting two. Like, you already know he's going to miss significant time this year. And when he's coming off the season that he had last year as a rookie where he looked overwhelmed to start the year, he, every, every game he misses is significant time. Even if it had only been the first week, that's significant time. To get to where he has to get to be the, the true franchise quarterback, that is not a great sign. And this is not lining up perfectly. Now, look, I think you have better talent. You would think the coach is going to be better in year two than he was in year one. And nobody's expecting the moon. But you got to start showing me something. Meet me halfway here. Meet me, ha- as Kenny Loggins saying, meet me halfway. You got to give me reason to hope. You can't just have blind faith that the organization is eventually going to turn things around without any results. Any results. And then what happened this week is really kind of troubling for, for the head coach to be in front of the media and in a span of 24 hours say, well, it's possible Zach Wilson might start week one. And then less than 24 hours later, he's out until week four at least. And I don't want to hear, well, you know, that was just gamesmanship. Do you honestly think that the Ravens were sitting in their office? Oh, who's starting? Is it Zach Wilson or is it Joe Flacco? Come on. Something, if you want us to believe in you, I I first got to start with believing in what you're telling us. And if you're saying that he hasn't had a setback, and nothing has changed, well, then how did you go from 24 hours ago, it's possible he starts, even though nobody really believed that he was starting. Nobody anywhere. I mean, Mike Tannenbaum, I think, was on with Rick and Dave, and he said there's no way Zach Wilson's starting. And then, like, a couple of hours later, it came out, yeah, he's not starting, and he's not starting week one, week two, or week three. So, like, at some point, you got to start showing me something, and it's all well and good in the offseason – when everybody can have these high, oh, well, the draft, we did this great thing in the draft and the free agency and, oh, we killed the offseason. I got to start seeing some results. And the results have not been there for the Jets. And it doesn't take much for things to go sideways. So I've never been one to look at the Jets' early schedule of playing the four teams in the AFC North and think, oh, how are you going to beat them? You got to beat some of them. You got to beat a few of them. You got to beat at least, you got to win a September game. Can we start there? Win one September game. Because we see what happens with these seasons. You start out 0-1, it's bad. You start out 0-2, very rarely do you recover. And the Jets haven't recovered from any of these bad starts. So it's great that they have better talent. The coach and everything is, is more established than it was a year before. But the goals and the expectations have changed. You have to win some games this year. You can't start out 0-3 again if you want anybody to believe anything that you say. And, and the display that you had this week, it makes you kind of question whether or not you can believe anything they say when they say 24 hours ago he might start week one, and then, oh, yeah, he's not starting that game, and he's also not starting the next two either. But he hasn't had a setback, and nothing has changed. What? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. And I'll say this. When it comes to the Giants, to me, the Giants this year, for the long term, It's better for the Giants to be bad this year. If you're going to be bad, be bad right away. If you're a new regime, be bad right away. You can can kind of get around. I mean, think of all the reasons why the Giants should be bad this year. 
They're coming off a historically bad stretch, a historically bad GM. There's not a single piece of the team that you look at and you say, outside of the guys they drafted this year, this guy is a long-term piece that we know he's foundational, all this different stuff. There's nothing. They didn't make any moves in the offseason because they were so hamstrung because of the salary cap. And they have a quarterback that while this is a make-it-or-break-it year, it's not a 50-50 proposition. Like, the needle is certainly pointing much more towards no than it is yes, right? I mean, I think we're all in agreement on that. So, to me, it's best that the Giants are bad. But you know who should really hope the Giants are bad? You got it, the Jets. If the Giants come out and have a surprising season, like they win seven or eight games, and the Jets are still doing what the Jets have been doing here for the last few years, and again, like nobody's expecting the Jets to win 10 games. I, most people, I know some people have said that, but most people are not expecting to have some big season where they make nobody's. There's no playoff mandate or anything like that. But if the Giants, after an offseason where they haven't made any moves, with a quarterback who's a major question mark, a rookie head coach, if they go out and have a, a surprisingly good season, you're going to look at the other team and say, wait a sec, if they can turn it around immediately after the Gettleman disaster, what the heck are you guys doing? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Vince's in Brooklyn. Vince, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Wow, thanks for taking my call so freaking quick. Holy yeah, smokes and jimmies. I get to the people right away, Vince. All right, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What do you expect? Uh, why is everybody farting on on, on uh, Flacco, number one? I'm asking these questions. Uh, you can, you can chime in. All right, why is everybody farting on Flacco? You have another quarterback. Make a great uh, daily news back page or a post back page. Fart not Flacco. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Vince. I didn't see that because I don't read the paper. I, I say I, I speak my mind. I, I thought I you. you know. I got you. All right, fine. And you have another guy. What's his name? Stringer. Something with an S. Um. That that's that's on the that's on the uh that's on the squad right now. Him. You got a couple of the quarterbacks that that's that's on the squad that can do a few things. All right. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, it's not a bad situation. Don't look at the Jets as being, eh. Don't look at the Giants as being, eh. Because anybody can win freaking six, seven games, which is better than yeah. anything well, they've done in they the last four or five years. All okay? Right. All right, Vince. Thanks for the call. Go ahead. Um, and here you thought Richard Manhattan was going to be the weirdest call. No, look, you never know the way the show's going to go, people. Um. Well, the reason why people I, – I, I, re- <laughs> I had to recoup there in my thoughts. The reason why people are looking at Joe – and I've got to be honest with you. Um, I, I think the expectations for Joe Flacco are, are, are too high. I mean, there's a reason why Joe Flacco doesn't play – he's not a starting quarterback anymore, people. And, and nobody anywhere can tell me – if I told you in the offseason, hey, the Jets are going to start the year and the first three games Joe Flacco is going to start. There's not a single person, honestly, before the, that's what you have to deal with, would have said, hey, you know what? I think that's actually good. And I'll tell you this right now. If it does turn out that Flacco does play well, well, then then, then there's real pressure on Zach. Well, I, I think there's already pressure on Zach Wilson in year two, obviously. But I don't expect a lot out of Joe Flacco. But I'll tell you this. I'm not going to be farting on him. Tell you that right now. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Let's go to, I don't know if I should, maybe I should just stay away from the phones. 
but here's a veteran of the phone. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike. Hey, Gordon. Uh, I hope you're doing okay. Excuse my voice. I had surgery on Thursday. I feel good. Oh, so I feel you better. Cool. You all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five hours. I'm good. I'm all good to go. I'm still buying green bananas. All good. So uh, I, I, I talked to my buddy who I grew up with, and we've been betting. I know you like to, you know, dabble here and there. And we've been betting combined win totals. I've discussed this with you and Larry uh, of the Jets and the Giants. It's been stealing money the last three years. I'm not saying because I won. I mean, those two teams combined. I think the number's 13 and a half or 14 this year. You have to take into consideration the extra games. And I look at both of these, and honestly, as I'm recovering, and I see Yankees finally gave me a. A good reason right? to come out of surgery. Right. You probably thought you were God. still under the anesthesia when you saw the I'm final school. Sweat. I'm telling you, and my wife's saying to me, have you watched it? I said, the last two games, I was keeping me in the operating room. So how they blew the last two games, good old Labor came through again. But all kidding aside, we'll see what happens with them. I mean, Boone finally, finally pulled Hicks. I can't even explain to anyone, especially a diehard Yankee fan like you, how poor Hicks is playing. It's sad. really is sad. But I, I do think, and I'll leave you with this, it's great to talk to you. I do think when the World Series is over, both New York teams will be, I think, two and four or one and five. I, I, oh. I wish I could say better. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, Spike, and thanks for the phone call, feel better. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to be optimistic about the Giants going into this year. You know, new regime. It seems like the guys they put in place, you know, it, it's always unknown, but it feels like you got a good vibe from Shane. It feels like, you know, finally Dable's getting his chance. His name has been out there for a while. Uh, maybe they can take some of the pieces that they, they, they inherited, even though this offseason they couldn't really do anything because of the state of the of the cap and a bunch of guys that have things to prove, right? I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, a quarterback that's got to prove that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Saquon has got to prove that he deserves a, a big second contract. Even on an offense, Tony and, and all these guys, they got a lot of stuff to prove. But then, man, the closer you get to the season, you start looking at things. And, again, things aren't trending in the right direction, right? You lose Ojolari, you lose uh, uh, Thibodeau here for the first week at least. Um, the injuries that they've had. I mean, the Jets and Giants have had to have been two of the most injury-plagued teams in the NFL the last three or four years. And they don't have the talent to overcome any injuries, never mind the most injuries in the NFL. So, yeah, as you get closer – you have to start seeing something. Now, I will say the Jets and Giants are in different situations. The Giants this year are in the same, or the same situation as the Jets were last year. This is an evaluation year. Clearly, this is an evaluation year. You couldn't do anything in the offseason. And the last five years, you were a terrible football team. You have just ended one of the worst runs of a, of a GM in Dave Gettleman. And you couldn't make any improvements to the team, really, outside of draft picks. So, yeah, it's, it, it's that, that's an evaluation year. Find out about the quarterback. Find out about what, what pieces do you have on this roster that can actually be part of the, the, the foundation of the team moving forward. Evaluation year for the Giants. The Jets is different. I'm not saying you got to go to the playoffs. I'm not saying you got to win 10 games. But you gotta, I got to see progress. And progress is at least six wins 
progress is. The quarterback has established himself now that maybe he has warts, but you can see it. You don't have to be the most creative person to say, okay, I can see him in three years that he's going to be this or he's going to be that. I got to start seeing some progress. I can't take, I can't take one and four anymore. And look, with the Jets in, in September, get one. That's, that, that's progress. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And you gotta, you got to win some games. Like people that make out the Jets schedule, oh, this brutal schedule. No, you're playing NFL teams. Those, that's who you have to beat. If you want to be an NFL team, you have to beat other NFL teams. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll get some picks for this week, week one of the NFL season, 5 o'clock. It is what I learned on TikTok. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. time of year people the pumpkin spice is in the air and football is back it is the gordon damer show it is 98.7 fm espn new york 1-800-919-3776 i'm not exactly sure why i'm giving out the number right now because i'm not going to take any calls no we're going to do some nfl picks for week one now last year jacob do you remember what we finished did we finish 10 games over 500 with picking all the games I don't remember the exact score, but, but we were over. We were definitely significantly over 500 picking every single NFL game last year. Correct. I know for sure. If you were a local team in this city, you definitely would have been uh, in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. We did a good job last year. Now, last year, I felt like it, was, it just got too cumbersome picking every single game. So I don't know if I'm going to keep it at a specific number, but these are the games. I'll just say this. I like to, as people mentioned from time to time, if you listen to any of the shows that I'm on, I like to dabble a little bit. And these are the games that I will actually be putting money on. I don't know if we can legally say that in a segment, but that's what I'm doing. So I'll tell you who I got this week. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Who I got. And I got uh, I got six games, five games. I'm not sure. I think I got six games. All right, here we go. First one, uh, Eagles and Lions. Eagles are at the Lions this week. Philly is uh, minus three and a half. Well, look. This is one I've been looking at for a while. Last year, Philly beat Detroit, I think it was 45-6 to six or something like that. And it seems like people are higher this year on the Lions than they were last year on the Lions. Unfortunately, people are really high on the Eagles. Like, if you ask most people, like, take Cowboy fans out of it because they're awful. But, no, take them out because they're biased. It feels like they're just the, the, the um, neutral observer. Everybody's picking the Eagles to win the NFC East. Now, I think part of that is that nobody trusts the Cowboys to have two good years in a row. But I like the Eagles in this one, minus the three and a half points. I want to see what their offense can do. They, I, you can see why people are high on them. I don't like to be picking the team that everybody's high on. Like, to me, I would not, be, I would not have probably picked the Bills uh, Thursday night, even though the Bills obviously won uh, going away. And they're certainly impressive, and everybody's picking them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, it feels like the Eagles are that pick for the NFC East. But I will take Philly on the road, minus three and a half points. Second one I got for this week, a little uh, division ma- division game, take the points. And especially you take the points when you can get the points against the Miami Dolphins. Rooting for the Dolphins 
is like rooting for Wiley Coyote. You know how it's going to end. It's just a question of how it, is he going to fall off the cliff after running off the cliff and hanging in midair? Is the bouquet of flowers actually dynamite from Acme? Is he going to try to run through the tunnel, which is actually just painted to look like a tunnel on the side of a mountain? I don't know. I don't know how the Dolphins will blow this game, but I know the Dolphins will blow this game. I know, I know how this season will go. It will not go well, mostly because of who they are, and secondly because they don't have their first-round pick now as a result of their dopey owner and the dopey things that he does repeatedly. They do not have their first-round pick. So you know that that pick will turn out. That, that's like watching a movie, and they give you a little piece of information at the beginning of the movie to foreshadow. This is going to be important later on. You don't know how it's going to be important, but it will be important later on. And both these teams, I don't look at them, either of them, as playoff teams this year. So if I can get three-and-a-half points with the Patriots, I will take my three and a half points with. I, it would, I, I like how who are the Dolphins have be given three and a half points to anybody. So that's my second pick. Pats plus three and a half. Number three. Jags at Washington. Jags plus two and a half. Well, look, the Jags are coming off of. Uh, I mean, could you waste a season more than the Jags wasted a season? Like they got the number one pick in the draft. They got the quarterback that everybody was fighting over. And they didn't get it, you know, they, they took that rookie year and it just was completely destroyed. But I think the Jags are going to be much more functional this year. And I don't have a lot of faith in Washington. I think that they're going to have a down season. So I'll take the Jags plus two and a half. I'll also take the Bucks minus two and a half at Dallas. I'm not a big believer in Dallas to have consecutive good seasons. They will disappoint. So I'll take the Bucks. And after all the talk about Tom Brady and the issues with the Bucks. you know that they're going to come out and, and be, you know, who you expect them to be, and then we'll all be sitting back and saying, boy, what, what, what were we thinking? What were we thinking going against Tom Brady or thinking the Bucks might have a, a disappointing year? I'll also take the Niners minus six and a half at the Bears. I think the Bears are going to have one of the worst offenses in football, and the Niners we know have one of the best defenses in football. And then the Chiefs, very strange line. That line was like two or three. It went up to like six. It went back down to five and a half. I will take Casey on the road at Arizona. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.